0: Red alert. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Beyond Trek Podcast. In the house today, I've got Renzo and Big J, and we're here to talk to you about Prodigy Episode 5 Cliffhanger, because we're not getting any of the other episodes for quite a while. Terror Firma. So, is the I like the plan words? Yeah, no, it was really great. Um, those of you who may not have gotten that, Terra Firma is just hard land. Terror Firma mm-hmm. is, I guess, hard horror. There you go.
1: And just to warn you ahead of time, I may be a little bit on the slap happy side because we were up late till I think it was about at least two o'clock for myself and Renzo in our time zones doing our episode season four episode one discovery. And then I had the kids all day today. uh, They were sick, so we couldn't go anywhere. So right now I am beyond tired podcast.
0: We're okay we
2: can be certain. beyond tired and also be on track at the same time. Sometimes yeah. they mesh very well and we get pretty funny those
0: days. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of beyond blank episodes. It's almost like a bingo card now. Like, what podcast did, did we end up doing today beyond something else?
1: Beyond Lord of the Rings. We have done. <laughs> we did Beyond the Matrix. We were Concast. almost
0: beyond O.J. Simpson the other day. <laughs> True. Yeah, True. we were. Yeah. yeah, we really were that's why
2: you get the clip of that (laughs) that when you hear our review of coda Book or our discussion on coda book three
0: out on november tuesday november 30th the same day as the book uh check that out our interview with david mack concluding the other interviews that we have done with dayton ward and james swallow about that trilogy i can't wait for it hmm and uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump in with your spoiler alert, because uh, if you haven't seen this episode yet, please do, or don't. Take your own risks. We're not here to tell you what to do. I love this episode. I thought this was a really cool fulfillment of several arcs, at least for me, or maybe not fulfillment, but kicking off of the the actual character arc for some people, um, but yeah this was basically the second half of them they're stranded on planet kudzu that's what i call it um and did we
2: actually get a name? name no
0: it's it's we a planet things. in the
2: Herogen system i'm thinking of it right. as like botanical unicron because it likes to eat people <laughs> so, hence the shirt i'm wearing which is unicron
1: awesome yes <laughs> oh man
0: here's the beyond transformers podcast the unicron <laughs> unicron was the last role that uh olson orson wells ever did
2: that's people right yeah people
0: be like who's orson wells like i don't have time in this podcast to explain it please use google
2: Nimoy's in that movie too. It was great.
0: Yeah, he is. Leonard
1: Nimoy played Galvatron. Perfect voice for that yeah. character.
0: And he was again in Transformers 3. Like he said That's the right. line, and I was so upset. Yeah. <laughs> Optimus. Anyway. All right. So I agree
2: with you. I thought this episode was a ton of fun. I like the way that we finished off the introductions of characters we've started their arcs we've gotten their arcs moving but we finished off like their intro bits now yeah. we know gwen's motivations now we know what rock talk really cares about we we understand the the crew and the cast a lot better now
0: the only cast member that's still kind of a wild card for me is jencom pog which i think we're probably gonna get his backstory a little bit later because he's the only one who kind of remembers where he came from so we'll get so- that
1: here, I I agree with you wholeheartedly there and I'm curious is this going is that going to be an actual storyline that we get a little more is why do these characters not remember where they came from or is that just quick dialogue? I think they've
2: already told us really Right? Like, Rock Talk was too young. She is too young still. She just doesn't remember it. Murph doesn't speak so far. Uh, Zero simply hasn't revealed, has been incredibly evasive about their origins. So we don't know what Zero knows at all. Right. Um, It's made it clear that Dal knows of his parents, but doesn't remember them. Again, probably just a youth thing. He doesn't even know the name of the species. Uh, And Gwyn knows who her father is, but that's. Not a, That's not a that's not a fun subject for her at and, this point. And we
0: know that the two of them are the last of whoever they were, whatever species they're from.
2: The Val-Nakot.
0: The Val-Nakot. I did not get that. That's great. That's great to know. Yeah,
2: yeah, so we've gotten that. We still don't know how Janeway and the Protostar ended up on the, in this area of space either. That's But true. I'm sure that's what we'll explore.
0: Well, and I think that's where Robert Beltran's going to come in, is there's going to be some kind of logs on the Protostar that show that, you know, Captain... Captain Chakotay launched the Protostar from a Starbase as a drone ship to do recon in the area. Um, and, you know, just gloss over he the lost fact it. that we sent an entire starship and not a, just a regular drone. But that's cool.
1: And then he lost the ship. That would just be great.
0: <laughs> Well, great. Good job, Commander. You just lost your third ship in the Delta Quadrant.
2: (laughs) How many commanders can say that, though, right? Like, how many can brag about that on on their
0: resume? That's exactly how Chakotay would frame it, too. Like, no no other captain can do that. Uh, Stop giving this
1: man ships. Yep.
0: So So this
2: episode starts off with the crew, the kids, uh, still on the terror planet, uh, kind of, like, settling back in, realizing that they have lost the ship it's spiraled out of control they're deciding whether they even want to help Gwyn along because she seems to have broken her leg in her like aborted uh shuttle escape that she tried to do with Murphs Murphs however is nice and fine and snuggles up with rock talk which was nice and touching too um but Dal is quite pissed at Gwyn and is essentially saying that they should just leave her behind don't let her slow us down we've got to find the ship
0: it's so cruel but yeah. those are words Whoa. that are more spoken in, in anger and frustration than in forethought.
2: Yeah, for sure. But it's a very childish thing, right? It, like it fits the character. It's right. the kind of thing it's like right. you took my ball. I don't ever want to see you again. Well, and it's it con- not realistic. It, but- it
0: contrasts well with something that happens later in the episode to Gwen. So I thought that was really nice.
2: Absolutely. So they get a hail from the ship's Janeway uh, onto the their little buggy. The Outrunner, something like that. The run along, run along, run away, run away. I just, yeah. I just
1: remember the hold on to your butts handles that it, <laughs> uh-huh. that it had, yeah, which is so, kind of a variation of the one that uh, Picard drove and
0: the Argo,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, so Janeway's what?
2: Uh, Janeway's telling them that, hey, the ship landed. It's fine. Come to the ship, we're 10 kilometers away. Get your butts over here. We've got to go.
0: Being eaten by (laughs) Kudzu.
2: Right. It's literally being wrapped in the vines all over. Uh, And then we cut to her scene, which I thought was great, where she's like trying to talk the computer into doing certain things and she doesn't have the access, even though she's part of the ship's computer. Right. Uh, She's not a real person. She doesn't have command codes. So she sits in the chair and goes, What would Captain Janeway do?
0: Such a great moment.
1: She's a training hologram, but not a command hologram. Is Correct. that right?
2: Seems to be.
0: Hmm. Uh, I loved that
2: scene. I was almost expecting her to, like, again, lift her arm with like a cup of coffee again while thinking about it. Uh, but she does come up with a pretty nifty idea, even though they're low on power. She engages the photonic scrubbers. Yep. Yes.
0: Little, little ship
2: Yeah, theme. photonic ship scrubbers. Yeah.
1: Well, I I just finished it before we did this because I, I had to wait till the, the kids left and I started watching the episode and for some reason I thought this does not look familiar I could have swore I watched episode four so I had to watch last half of that because apparently it didn't absorb so yes yes definitely that's fresh photonic scrubbers so wouldn't this hologram even be a training hologram still have ECH protocols wouldn't still be able to have the emergency hologram you'd have to program Uh, emergency command hologram.
0: you'd have to assume that the the basic programming for hologram Janeway was a command hologram which she's very much not
2: yeah, we've made assumptions about the access on the hologram that are being shown to not be true, right? This right. is truly just a babysitter training hologram, it looks like, because the computer refused to give her access to command subroutines, it seems. Mm-hmm. So. Right,
1: yeah, unfortunate.
2: Now, we did get some lovely shots of cars displays while she's trying to figure out what's hitting the nacelles, what's doing what, all that, which was very nice. I love seeing the cars that we see in Prodigy. It is fantastically uh, authentic feeling. Like I'm surprised they don't have the Akutas doing it. They I might like, be. Do you know I if was, the
0: Akutas are involved? I don't know if the Akudas are involved. I don't uh, recall seeing their I names in the they credits. weren't involved. However, I like that they carry the color scheme over from Nemesis, which had the blues instead of the sort of pastel colors yeah. of the Enterprise D.
1: Yeah. It's an upgrade. El Car's mm. eleven
2: mm-hmm.
1: or something. Yeah, blue,
2: I don't
0: know. blue buttons of death.
2: <laughs> but yeah so she deploys the photonic ship scrubbers they are little drones Makes sense they zap bits of the kudzu away buying her some time and then they you know keep doing this cleaning or subroutine that they've got for a bit uh buying her more time and Did you notice in the meantime, that
0: the uh the scrubbers look like exocomps so
2: comps yeah a lot yeah.
0: that's cool
2: I don't think they are Exocomps cuz Exocomps being sentient probably not getting that kind of treatment I but think they do they look like them.
0: I want to think that the Exocomps were built on a photonic scrubber mainframe. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, the photonic right. scrubber existed and somebody just replaced all the internal stuff with a whining yeah. dog. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tuvix knows that we're talking He's about so his adorable. show. <laughs> He's so adorable.
1: We love that dog. So, does anyone else besides me kind of have a problem with these uh, these tree branches being able to hold down a starship. I just, I'm having a hard time seeing that an, an organic thing, even if it's arms, branches, whatever you want to call it, would have enough power to keep a starship at bay. Aren't, I mean, starships have, wouldn't they have more power than that? I, I just had a hard time with that. It,
0: it's probably fine. The problem is that, Janeway doesn't have access to the systems that would allow her to do more.
2: Yeah, like if they turn on the impulse engines, they would probably snap through, but she doesn't have access to that. She doesn't have access to warp, clearly. Basically
1: just thrusters, Thrusters. okay. Okay. And
2: that may not be enough. And remember, most of the reason why you can break something is momentum. If they're holding it still, it can't make momentum. So it's kind of tough to break through stuff.
1: Correct, yeah. So
2: yeah it's a kid's show so i give it some leeway on the realism on things like that but sure. yeah it's or a family show i think is the, the term i preferred before but yep, yeah it's show. it's you give it some leeway on on fictional elements who knows maybe the like dendritic tendons of the branches are made out of
0: something as dense as diamond
2: who knows
1: right true we are on a mammalian planet they, they
0: they could have they could have like super mitochondria powering those cell walls
2: Gotcha. Um, plant All cells right.
0: don't have mitochondria, but... Yeah, these ones could.
2: They could, right. they could. Yeah, they're, tele- telepathic. they're
0: telepathic, All right. they can read organic minds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe they right, so cut... pheromones.
2: So we cut back to the kids, and the runaway has gotten pulled away by the vine, so they can't take that, and they're just kind of marching in the direction that their tricorders are telling them that the ship is. Uh, and they don't seem to be making very much progress. Do we There's talk a couple about... scenes...
0: Did we talk about Gwyn using her funky oh, new device yeah. as a cast?
2: Not yet. That's in this scene, so definitely oh, okay. good call. Uh, yeah. So because she can't walk because of her broken leg, uh, Rock talk offers to help her, but she is stubborn and refuses, and instead has her snaky programmable matter like arm and sword thing like wrap around and brace her leg, which is still quite painful from the look on her face.
0: Such so oh, a compound yeah. fracture. That's that's painful.
2: You
1: have had one? No,
0: no, 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 no. There's oh, th- zero said that Gwyn had a compound fracture in her leg.
1: Right? Yeah. I, mean, I just—I thought you said you've had one mm-hmm. before. Okay. Just in my arms. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, for something as handy and utilitarian uh, as that programmable matter, whatever you want to call it, as an emergency cast, sure. I mean, it's not supposed to be a do-all but it did give her some mobility considering the injury she had
2: i mean her control over it definitely seems to be somehow telepathic right like her head and tentacles and such glow bluish when she's thinking to it so Mm -hmm. whatever it is it's crazy advanced and it's something probably it's something from the vana because she said that she got it from her father so we don't know enough about it to really say but the thing is neat yeah it is all right so yeah She definitely seems to cry almost when she's standing up for the first time, like there are lines under her eyes that glowed for the first time, which I don't think we'd seen, but she hobbles along and tries to stay with the pack and then we cut to a scene at night which on a terror planet is definitely terrifying. Mm -hmm. Uh, The The only illumination that they seem to have is the light coming out of zero which is amazing Uh, and again, they find that they're still somehow, after walking 10 kilometers,
0: 10 kilometers away.
1: Yep. How long, how long on average would it take to, to walk 10 kilometers? I, I have a hard time with Couple kilometers. Hours. 10 kilometers,
0: 10 kilometers or six miles,
1: six miles. Okay. So
0: Hour and a half hour 45, maybe Sounds two hours right. if you're, if you're on unfamiliar terrain like this for sure. Yeah. I would I have said about manage... two hours for it. I mean, it's enough for like me to be like, all right, I need to take a break. Six miles is quite a bit to do, uh, in that kind of area.
1: Yeah, it's not like you're walking on a straight sidewalk, but
0: especially how- when you're in you're in foreign territory, you're surrounded by people who are scared and afraid, it's dark, you have no yep. idea what's going on, and you know there's ivy that's trying to kill you.
1: And your I'd kids be- on top of that,
2: it's not like
0: I'd be very um stressed. And they're hearing
2: sounds and such, right? Like rustling in the trees, there's something moving around them, like they're getting all the creepy
0: vibes. It's a perfect, it's a very Halloween episode. The hills are kind of disappearing on them.
1: The hills have eyes. Yeah.
2: There's a great scene in this, uh, or a great bit in this scene where uh, Zero tries to reach out telepathically to the planet to see if maybe they can talk to it. Does it have a name? Nope, it's It's just hungry. Just wants to eat us. That's it. (laughs) Nope,
1: just kill planet. (laughs)
2: Yeah, so they keep wandering and we uh, snap back to Janeway, back on the bridge of the Protostar, still continuing to worry about power consumption, looking around and seeing what's using up power. And uh, I think this is when she first mentions that there is a Protostar core.
1: Yes. That is a,
2: sucking up a lot of power. The Protostar
1: core sucking up power, she can't shut it down, does not have the command access to do that. And it is drawing a lot of power. So. Instead, she has to cut life support, which I would have thought that that would be the first obvious thing. She's the only one on there in the hologram. So, I, you know. Depends,
2: though. Maybe the hollow matrix is integrated with the life support. But what she cuts first is actually the replicators, which she definitely doesn't need. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember that on Prometheus, which also had the walk around holograms, life support and the hollow matrix were tied. I remember that gag. Remember they started flickering when they were rerouting power from things? Right.
1: I, okay, I f- did not catch that life support in the, who would do that? Why was that? Okay, never mind.
2: Starfleet Engineers, best in the business.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wonder if they're a union. It's It's, you know, gay space communism in the future, so probably. <laughs> Anyways, so we cut back outside. The ship scrubbers are still trying to clear the ship, but she keeps she's worried she's worried where the kids are right like they better hurry getting here Uh, and she's definitely pacing around the bridge like she's constantly walking around it so even if she's just a hologram she's definitely displaying very janeway-esque behavior
1: well well, yeah and looked at look at the doctor there were a lot of times i forgot he was a hologram Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and so this hologram janeway is kind of doing the same thing
2: Yep, and in this next scene, we're back with the kids, and we see Jenkin Pog reaching out to touch a pretty little flower, and it snaps at his finger. So clearly, everything about this planet is a murder planet, and uh, he stresses that he's like, "Well, you guys made fun of me for wearing my my spacesuit. Now look at us. It's cold, and I'm the only one that's fine in the spacesuit. This planet's mean."
0: I wonder <laughs> if I wonder if in the past a chunk of this planet was like blown off, but kept a lot of its integrity and landed on Earth as Australia.
1: <laughs> Could be. Could be. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's what happens. Everything in Australia is trying to kill you. Brilliant. It must have come from a big piece of this plant. What's
0: the name of that weird plant that has the stinging nettle that like hurts forever?
1: Did you say stinging metal? Nettle. nettle no oh my god it's, it's okay a, it's a
0: plant that it's has, like oingo
2: boingo it's got a silly name like that
0: yeah no it's this plant that if you touch it it stings you and even if you get the little stine the little spines out of your hand and everything like that the the venom and the pain can, can last lifelong holy and it's, shit. and it's one of those things where it's like people have been driven to insanity
1: oh i've heard about this yeah, yeah it drives yeah. people to suicide
0: because they can't get at the stop what actually causes it are
2: tiny little fibers that just Sit inside of your hand and continue to like poke essentially at nerves for the rest of your life because your body can't get rid of them. Oh, my like, God. gimpy gimpy is what it's called. We
0: can't, uh, we can't and process, so metabolize them. So, and, and when your skin grows around it, it has to deal with that. So, yeah, lifelong oh pain. Don't All right, so the evil plane. We settled in the same scene in the
2: darkness. Uh, we actually hit my favorite line of the episode. It's when they're all freaked out and Dal grabs Zero and points him around like a flashlight. <laughs> and his his statement was, "I don't know how to feel about this. I'm just happy to be helpful, though." Is Zero? I love Zero.
0: Zero's NB though, right? I, I I mean they don't they're not he or she, but yeah, right, right. Well, because we don't we don't know
1: whole lot about the Medusans. I don't think that they. His Medusans. I do do not have they even.
0: It's explicit.
2: Yeah, right. they're non corporeal. Right. But yeah, no, uh, when he, as in Dal, grabs Zero and points him on like a flashlight, uh, Dal is definitely happy to have a flashlight, and then Zero is just happy to be helpful. And it was just a very, like, I love Zero
0: kind of moment. The it's voice actor a, is killing it. That's a very chaotic, neutral, just, expression to have. Like, I don't know how I feel about this, but I'm being useful, this is nice!
1: Uh. <laughs> as opposed to just standing there and looking from side to side. No, had to get picked up and used as a flashlight because why not?
2: Well, pointing him at what uh, Dal wanted to see, which ends up being the core of the ship from uh, Zero's own visions that he had there that they had experienced uh, coming towards them in like a massive, monstrous form with like legs and arms and more tentacles made out of vines. It was kind of horrific approaching them they start shooting their phasers at it the phasers they do nothing uh and they're all kind of freaking out and <laughs> then Gwyn, they do nothing and then gwen finally thinks that wait it's a plant plants can burn
1: decides oh. to
2: decides <laughs> to chuck a spear at the thing and light it on fire while they're in a forest that also catches fire that was a uh. you know
1: that was well thought out. They're a, not in California, so how bad could it have been? Uh,
0: words out of my mouth that disparage you that are not ha- that are not nice words because I live in Burning, California.
2: Yeah, so I think Gwen definitely <laughs> saves the day here. had the was the only one to come up with a thought other than keep firing phasers that don't seem to be working. So uh, they run to the cliff. Why is there always a cliff? and off the cliff they jump.
1: Why is there always a cliff? I love that. So answer me this because when they were doing that, it reminds me of so many times, not just Star Trek, but other stuff. The one I'm going to point your attention to is in Star Trek Nemesis, when Picard and Data are running from the Remans, they get into that shuttle bay, big ass shuttle bay doors down, the Remans are just shooting their, their, their little BB gun pellets at the door, constantly just keep going. So what what is it that would make you perform an action? It's not working. Appears that it would never work, but you continue doing it. You, you guys want the scene I'm talking about from from Nemesis? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like something like that. And then now this.
2: So, Big J, we stayed in Afghanistan for eleven years.
0: Uh, okay, it's yeah. as much a
2: real-world problem as it is one in fiction. Dang it. Right
0: dang it you, you had to go and you had to provide a real thing i was going to be like jay there's a deleted scene from nemesis where the remans are shooting and then one of them actually says why are we still shooting and then one of the writers comes around the hall and it's like damn it remans fire you're getting paid for this so they keep shooting <laughs>
2: but yeah no seriously humans are really yeah
1: you're
2: you're right the
0: problem you're is right. i would say that Certain situations like that, when when power structures flow in a certain way, it's really hard to stop that flow. Um, but yeah, shooting at a door for a while—that they should have rethought that. And one of those people should have been like, I don't know, erect a, ten, a level ten force field around the shuttle bay and remotely disable all of our ships.
2: <laughs> it's against data though. If you don't think data can bypass a lockout, we're all crazy. No, right? data can get past it.
0: Don't need to bypass a lockout, but I could also do a. Uh, what's the sh- the do you know the equivalent of the prefix code make sure that it has no defenses cuz data even data can't bypass a prefix code
2: i don't know he seems to do it in that one episode of TNG where he locks out the computer from everyone and then guess like hacks his own password later on. Eight,
0: oh my seven, god, seven that... six two five eight seven six. Yeah, that's the ones It's really good to wrap this. It's on YouTube.
2: <laughs> but yeah. So the point is, like, people in general are bad about knowing when to give up on something if it's the only idea they've got, and they were definitely little kids who were freaked out just shooting what they had. Yeah. Sure. But Gwyn saves the day, and over the cliff they go. They definitely get some hang time because there's some flying going on uh but they land not all that much worse for wear and they find something there which is a really cool bit of the episode because they find dag acid rain. the planet tries to digest them
1: even when they're not
2: in the forest
1: on top of everything else isn't acid rain supposed to be very like bad you shouldn't stand in it as long as they did
2: no, I mean, for people, if you have it like cover your arm, it's not going to kill you immediately. It's not going to do much to you. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a problem with acid. Yeah, it, it'll sting. It might burn a little bit after a little while, but if you swipe it off, it's not the end of the world. It's not like it's raining hydrochloric acid on you, but this might be hydrochloric acid because it's something's digestion. Yeah. We don't really know what kind of acid it is, but real-world uh, acid rain, it's not like an immediate kind of thing. It'll probably fuck up your clothes more than it will, will your skin. Um, right. But it
0: screws with, with forests hardcore by changing the yeah. nature of the, of the dirt.
2: The soil. Yeah. It also messes with buildings because the stone that's used on the outside of buildings is usually reactive to it, so it ruins cities. Uh, yes. But yeah, what they end up going to do, though, is uh, running into a hulk of a destroyed Klingon Borel Bird of Prey, which is very nice. Why is that there? How is because that Because the there? caretaker grabbed things from all over, okay, or, yeah. or, Killing, or Killing, Killing. it's another Klingon sleeper ship like the Taong, which was sent out that they found in the Deep Delta with Voyager in season two, I think.
0: So, you say this is a Burrell class, but this looks even older. This looks like the one that they're like a Marauder from Enterprise. Maybe. I
2: look, it looks to me like it's got the Burrell like wing actuation bit there. It that's does, why I thought it was a Burrell.
0: But it's got the, the I don't know, the the neck piece is kind of ambiguous in the scene. It's broken. But yeah, it, Yeah, it is. It could be a Braille, Um It could be a Marauder. Meh. Yeah, yeah it's whatever. It's, on, it's a Klingon Vertical. Part. Right. Right. right.
2: The Klingon bird of prey. They go inside, and uh Jank and Pog immediately recognize that Klingon food lasts forever, and he starts opening up like little bags of gah. It seems, and that's what he's going to serve
0: the crew. Dead gah.
1: How can that be used as what a shame. an emergency ration? It's better when it's a lot. Better. Have you ever had all dehydrated
0: gah? Not... No. That's my emergency ration. Is dehydrated gah. Take it or leave it true yeah i mean yeah. when you're
2: starving you'll eat anything right like look at what goes in an mre packet uh there's a dude on youtube steve mre steve 1989 or something who eats like 80 year old mres like that's what his channel is hmm. he eats wow. them and he tells you this is what you can eat this is why you shouldn't eat this bit that's clearly not a good seal don't eat this kind of thing and that's like his shtick and he's got millions of viewers so hmm. uh yeah i mean uh, Future MREs from the Click on Empire might even last a couple hundred years. Who knows? People Probably. like a lot of
0: cool stuff, man. <laughs> yep, it's good stuff. There's yeah, a bit so... of uh, bonding here between Rock Talk and Murph too, which is nice. hmm Yeah, I, 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 I love every scene there. with Murph. Yeah. And I like the connection that uh, Doll begins to forge with Gwyn here too. This is
2: well he's playing around with a with a good little mechleth just flinging it around like a play sword backwards. and she's like backwards yeah.
0: he's playing and, with it backwards it triggered me i'm sorry
2: and gwyn had to come over and be like you know that's a warrior's weapon
1: yeah. right you don't need to be wielding this i do like that they're they started bonding a little bit which is it, it's good it, character it, development it's not yeah. horrible
2: i think it's clear that they had communicated and been maybe not friends but at least friendly earlier on on tarz yeah, yeah right because yeah. right. they imply it multiple times but clearly the relationship of her being the diviner's child puts her in an awkward position but she had tried to be friendly she tried she specifically takes actions to try and save Dahl. so well, well and yeah. then
1: I'm not a child psychologist but aren't younger adults don't they tend to be more forgiving at least faster than adults. She tried to maroon them and then later in the day it's like, "Yeah, we're cool. No big deal."
0: I think it might have been a little bit of tit for tat. She did try to maroon them, and then when she got stranded with them and Doll was like, "Leave her behind," she's just going to slow us down. That was the, you know, and I think she's a little bit more emotionally mature than Doll is, so she might be, you know, and I'm reading way into this, is like what's the what's it, that uh it's that what f- we do. phrase about you know, killing the author or whatever like that. When you read too much into a story, and the author's like, "I never intended that, but it makes sense anyway." Mm-hmm. Um, I have
1: never heard that one.
0: Yeah, she she's recognized that she tried to do a thing, and now she's paying the consequences for it, which is probably something that the diviner has very much built into her. You did it wrong. Now you have to deal with the consequences. Don't do it stupidly next time. It's a harsh. Doesn't seem to
1: be mature. Yeah,
0: but it's a harsh learning for her. Doll, on the other hand. It was just being pre- something or other. There's a word for that. He was being mean. Um, and here they've kind of forgotten about that. They they absorb the moment of the scene where they can look at the stars and they can just talk to each other on equal terms and and find a footing with each other, which I really appreciated.
2: Yeah, me too. Yeah, it, there's definitely a feel there for like. Uh, they're bonding but they're more like getting over some tension and getting back to where they had' been before which is good that's healthy that's character growth for them both for sure um, and it shows that they're willing to work together when they start looking at the stars and they and dal is very like is very aware that Gwyn loves stars so he starts pointing things out to her and that's what they've done before in other scenes there's less time of good they constipations realize... up there <laughs> you're right <laughs> Which
0: it is weird. Constipation it's a, is what it's we're a weird have. moment for a linguist to goof on. Cat boots. But adorable nonetheless.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so they find out or they realize at that moment that they can navigate by the stars rather than trying to use just their tricorders, and the planet can't change the stars, because the stars are not something you can terraform, which is fair.
0: Well that's true. It still was moving the ship around for them, so it's not like the stars are gonna help.
2: Yeah, it's still a challenge for them for sure uh but you no know, i don't really even
1: nice. i don't even know how to, to to do that the whole reading stars and all that i just i, I don't get it how do you be look at scout? stars? scout uh, aren't i a little old to be a boy scout
2: you could be a scout leader or something
1: oh okay yes i would want to escalation to leadership right okay
0: it's it's literally like a week to two weeks of just reading the patterns of the the stars in the sky they rotate annually so like in december there's different constitutions constitutions constellations visible uh and you're talking like about a linguist summer. messing up yeah, words i'm not a linguist <laughs> um <laughs> Sad
2: thing is, I but yeah,
0: no, you, you can look into it for like two weeks just on wikipedia and be like oh okay oh
2: so okay the biggest thing for something like this though is honestly if you can pick three or four stars right that are at a certain Declination from the from the horizon. You walk towards those. You will always be walking in the same direction because you're not going to change the angle of a star by walking towards it, right? So you can tell okay. what direction to go by just just pick a particular constellation or set of stars that are identifiable.
0: Well, and that's okay, why gotcha. that's why the North Star is so incredibly important because the North Star, as the Earth orbits, you see you've seen those images of like star streams, um, yeah, the, the, the time lapses and stuff like that. But the North yeah. Star is in the middle of that circle. That's our orbiting pole. If you can point at the North Star, it might wobble a little bit. But as you, as you go towards it in a day, it's only going in a tiny circle. Whereas this one star on the on the east over here is going to be on the west by the next morning, this guy right here will always be here. And that's why the North Star was so significant in spawning the development of seafaring navigation.
2: Okay. And now that we're in the Beyond Astrogation podcast, uh, <laughs> let's go on to our next fun scene, which
0: is thank you on... for keeping
1: us on track, Renzo. You're doing God's work.
2: <laughs> Somebody has to. Hey, so we're back kid. on the Rev
0: Twelve. There's a kid listening to us who's going to save lives someday because he's like, I heard in a podcast somewhere.
2: Well, <laughs> if it's the kid's show, this is the one to learn on, right? All right, mm-hmm. so we're on Rev Twelve, which is the Diviner ship, and they are. Uh, arriving at the planet in the Herogen system. Dreadnought is providing an update to the Diviner himself. Dreadnought continues to look fucking terrifying in the background, and the Diviner is, like, satisfied that they're going to beam down and seize the ship. Dreadnought, man. I
1: think he said his name wrong. It's General Grievous.
0: Sometimes
2: he looks like him.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, and he's... And, and One of the things that's so creepy about him is, one, he has mastered the art of alien walking. Like, he, just because he's built like a hominid, but he still does all the weird flips and tricks and animalistic predatory insect-like movements, which are creepy as heck. And he can also create blasters from his arms.
1: Right. He, he couldn't be... You could just say terror robot. That's fine. Just terror robot.
2: Dread knock. Dread. He, he's right. already well on his way to being terrorbot Yeah. yeah. Dread not. <laughs> All right. So, after that scene, we cut back to the kids, they are continuing to wander, they are following the stars now, and they feel like they're making better progress, uh, even according to the indications from the tricorder that Zero is holding, they're getting closer, and that's when they see Dreadnought just standing there in their path, and in they, his humanoid form, standing nice and tall and terrifying.
0: And they think he's fake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Whose mechleth. vision
1: are you. Such
0: a good mechleth.
1: Yeah. That yeah. looks a little big for a mechleth. They always seem to be.
0: That's because Jank They're tiny. kids. Uh, oh, well, okay. Yeah. Well, well so that's.
2: We know not... that Warf had a custom sized batleth. His size was different. He had gotten a custom made one. Maybe the warrior to whom this mechleth belonged to was like a giant. Maybe he was like your height.
1: <laughs> True. Yeah. That's a good point. You know how hard it, how hard it is for me to swing golf club they're so freaking uh, short yeah like I threw my back out
0: dude it's so like, yeah you're right it's like doing dishes you have to like kneel over the little washing pan to do I, the dishes
1: i've i've had to get down on my knees to do dishes because the the back was just renzo <laughs> phrasing because my like back six was just foot like five i know why are sinks so short i don't know can't they raise why them are up you so them? tall I, I don't, you're right. I don't know. It's my. All
2: right. So <laughs> Dreadnought turns around and points his arm, which becomes a blast, like a, a rifle of some kind, at them Jeez. again. Uh, and shoots the mechleth right out of Jenkinpog's hands. And Jenkinpog is now very satisfied that this is the real one. Uh, and Dreadnought instructs Gwyn, like, thanks her for bringing them to him and then instructs her to get out of the way. And uh, she straight up refuses. She goes in front christ maneuvers out everything blocking can't shoot them without shooting me and uh dreadnought decides to shoot out her brace from her leg so that she falls over it's a pretty dick move but it works it doesn't actually harm her
1: yeah dick move but you're right he's not well he's not there to hurt her he's just he's just supposed to bring her back to her uh to her father Mm -hmm. so i i take it that there would be hell to pay if he actually injured her but what was the indication well but what what was the indication that that he had maybe i missed it that going for that thing was what was holding her up
2: oh there's like a red visory kind of like terminator view where he scans over her and then it zooms in on her leg
1: gotcha i don't know how i missed that
0: and then we get really really lucky that the kudzu also likes to eat robot yep and the kids scatter
2: or at least doll tells everyone to scatter and then they all run into each other together because nobody scattered or they all scattered <laughs> in the same direction yep. which is the kind of thing you only have happen in the dnd game really the rest of you break up you look, you look like, like a, a cadet, cadet review,
0: review. <laughs> perfect so uh, Gwen finds herself alone, unable to mentally grasp her broken now brace, and the kudzu is coming after her.
1: Well, now she can't she can't move, and she's going to be an appetizer for this thing. And so the the kudzu just has a, doesn't differentiate between what it wants. It could be organic, non-organic. But you've got to think how how does life form like that? I guess digest or process that wider range of stuff. Does it absorb sustenance like some kind of?
0: I think in what it, energy. Well, the way that it seems to work, and y'all can correct me or refine me here, but the way that it seems to work is that it grabs the life form and holds it in place until it dies, and then the life form naturally decomposes and it absorbs the nutrients that way. Otherwise, whenever it like successfully grabbed someone or something, you would probably see some kind of digestive process take over, and we don't see that. All we see is this kudzu that is entrapping people and then eventually it rains acid, which probably facilitates the decomposition process, but otherwise, you know, there's no there aren't any natural predators here that help
2: right here's the thing though for me right like there have been planet-sized life forms in sci-fi here and there and some video games and such in most cases they're kind of like predatory like they have to go seeking food this thing seems very passive it's just on this one planet uh if it manages to get something to land on it then it eats it too but the amount of sustenance that it's going to derive from this group of like kids is nothing for a being of its size so the majority of its sustenance must come from something else. Maybe it has chlorophyll, so it gets it from the sun. IDK. But it's just real big to really care about the scale of these little kids if it's just for sustenance.
0: Right. What if, what if this is a proto-planet and every planet goes through this phase before it has enough uh, biomatter to actually start facilitating life-generating processes?
1: Who knows? Are you talking Nobody about,
0: knows! Like, uh, right. I am speculating way out in the twilight zone. Don't mind me
1: yeah you're off the reservation now that's uh we gotta we gotta reel you back in it's a good one it's an interesting idea no
2: it's it's an interesting concept right we haven't seen very many of these in star trek so yeah okay uh going back to the episode the next scene that we see is the kids realizing that they left Gwyn behind like where's Gwyn she she gave herself so that we could get away is i think the line that's used mm-hmm. um and then dreadnought starts chasing them again and they all huddle under the roots of a tree with rock talk like providing cover over them like under the roots and we get this fantastic moment straight out of the uh, fellowship of the ring with the uh the nazgul hunting the hobbits yep. as they're leaving the shire and it's definitely an homage to it. It follows the same beats, the eyes through the branches thing. The whole thing, definitely an homage, which it I like. Perfect. What did Cal think of it? Has he seen it yet? No. Okay.
1: Oh, that'll be a treat.
2: Cool. Uh, and yeah, the dreadnought moves on just as the Nazgul do, and they regroup and start moving back towards the ship. And then we cut back to. Uh, Gwyn, who is now, like, crawling on her elbows and a knee to yeah. try and get the pieces of her, like,
0: brace device. Thing.
2: Brace, sword, Jewelry. decoration, back yeah. together.
0: <laughs> no, it's, um, it's definitely a telling moment for her. She's wounded in a terrible place. She's been left behind. She's lost on a world that's trying to eat her. Her only tool is not summoning her, and she's not giving up. That says a well,
1: lot. Well it it does. Well, that's a hell of a lot of dedication, but her motivation is still to get to the ship to claim it for for a father. So it's probably I'm not more...
2: sure. I'm not sure if that's still her motivation at this point, because she did just save them from dreadnought, right? right? And let right. the kids escape. Yep. So I'm not sure.
0: And yeah, no, well... she's in this situation because she stood for that.
1: So here's how I read that was that even though her goal was to get the ship take the ship it, that doesn't mean that she needs to let people die over it because when she tried to take the ship it's it's not she was just going to leave but in in this case i want the ship i'm going to take it but you're going to try to kill these people so i'm going to stop you because that's not what we're
2: here for that, that's how i took it that's fair that's a that's a fair interpretation that definitely fits right but either way gwyn manages to like realize that in this coming scene maybe her allegiances are a bit more fluid than than she'd than she'd thought uh so she manages to get the pieces of her uh tech bangle to come back together she puts it together into a sword fights off the kudzu a little bit keeps crawling back and then we see her father the diviner uh beam down and uh he's just staring at the protostar very intently like chicken dinner kind of kind of moment like he wants it now uh Mm -hmm. and then he realizes that uh gwyn is calling to him and uh she's calling for help like save my life kind of help yeah Uh,
1: as a parent i can tell you that this excuse me this scene really bothered me because to me it's just me there is there is nothing nothing that i could be going for or after that would make me think twice if my child was in trouble and called for help it would just be that immediate reaction to come do that but here he is he's got this 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 darth vader do i help my son or just stand by and and follow orders kind of thing or go after it and he's he's conflicted do i save my child or do i do I get the thing? The, okay, the that just means
2: you're not a sociopath, right? Like the diviner is not a normal parent. He is not a good person. A Good right. person would definitely do exactly what you're saying. Not, e- not even a good person, like a, a decent, like a normal person would do so, right? This guy's fucked in the head to some degree or another, or he's got some motivation that he thinks is even more important than his own kids, his last kid's life. The only other being of his species, the one who would be the mother of their race, right? Yeah. Not as important as getting the ship for him, so he's definitely he's,
1: messed up. I think he's on the same list of shady parenting that Wharf is on. So
2: he's if, worse. If he's worse. A, oh yeah.
1: Well, absolutely, absolutely. I'm saying the, the same okay. list. Not yeah, yeah.
2: But yeah, so he turns, looks at her, like looks back at the ship, abandons the kid uh, while she's getting wrapped up in the kudzu, pulling her down and everything it's uh, not a good look and he just trudges towards the murder wow, start it,
0: it absolutely activates her her next arc in this moment she stood for them got shot got abandoned struggled her ass all the way to this place saw her father pleaded for him and he still chose something else you know and that that totally is gonna play into her arc over the next two seasons
2: then we cut to a fun scene on the bridge with Hollow Janeway we realizing that there's somebody at the aft loading bay, or at the loading bay, uh, and we cut to her appearing there, and the door is like lowering slowly, and we get this fun fake out where, is it the Diviner? Did he make it aboard? Is it the Div- Oh no, it's just Dal, great, okay cool, and the kids follow in behind. I was definitely <laughs> I was definitely suspect on that scene while going in, I was like, is it, is it him? But uh, well, why, prefer- why wasn't it?
0: Tuvox is super him? excited that it was dull. I can tell.
2: <laughs> yeah, Tuvix is barking at shadows at the moment.
1: Oh, great. Really? Shadows.
0: <laughs> He's been
2: watching Babylon 5.
0: So have <laughs> I. Fifth season. <laughs> yeah, it's a great fake out to see uh, the diviner get one over on him, not understanding what this place is about.
1: Rinza is a dog owner, my mother in law's dog goes an absolutely batshit crazy at trash cans if you've got one of those big ass trash cans and you're just trying to take it down to the the curb it just yap 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 yapping why is that why did
0: I because mean, the trash cans are where you throw all the food you want to eat i
2: don't know it could be anything right it could have been at some point if they were a rescue or something maybe when they were little they were thrown into a anything like that no ne-
1: no okay. no mm. n- neither of those just loses this shit over trash cans. I don't get Thank, it.
2: Thankfully, Tuvix doesn't do that. Tuvix is only like outdoors. Like things that really spook him are mm-hmm. moving trucks, like big white moving trucks scare the shit out of him. He pulls against me. He wants to run back to home. He wants to be nowhere near them if they're driving wow. past us or something, doesn't like them. And it's just pure terror. Like it's just that. So. This thing
1: charged me when I was on a riding mower cutting grass. Like, are you, <laughs> are you kidding me? Dog's the size of a cat. And tried to square up on my my Miller. Okay, I was just wondering. It's,
2: yeah, hmm. every dog is different. They've all got a personality. So yep. yeah. he might he must have a story. Gotcha. But yeah. Okay. So the kids all pile into the aft or into the loading bay. Janeway's there to greet them. And Janeway, as soon as she realizes that they've loaded in, she goes, "Where's Gwyn?
0: She's definitely there. summoning vibes from was it Unimatrix Zero Part Two, or or was it uh, Dark Frontier? it's dark she, frontier dark frontier where she's talking to naomi and she's talking about the three things that make a captain a captain and the third thing is you never abandon a member of your crew
2: right yep so we uh cut to this scene where the diviner fighting off the kudzu while the ship is taking off and he can't get to it because he's surrounded and fighting off the kudzu himself protostar takes off and then we see dal being lowered on rope of some kind towards gwen to save her and uh she gets very close, but not quite close enough until she thinks to use her telepathic magic bangle to establish the connection between the two of them, <laughs> and it he pulls her up via the bangle and uh,
0: saves her life.
1: I yep. like that, the magic bangle.
0: So, are we, are we are we at the conclusion of this moment? Because I have something to say about this episode that I think is kind of cool. Do it. Have you ever heard of a chiasmus? no no a chiasmus and i'm going to read this definition is a rhetorical or literary figure in which words grammatical constructions or concepts are repeated in reverse order in the same or a modified form and so you know there's a summary out there that talks about how back to the future is a chiasmus because if you look at it there's a first half of the movie that is then reflected backwards into the movie where Marty moves into his future, learning the lessons that he failed to learn the first half. This episode feels like that to me because it begins with um, everybody being abandoned, and the last person off the ship is gwen and Merce. Mm hmm. And um, it, then ends, it then proceeds to a moment where Gwyn is further abandoned by people that should be helping her, but she's not gonna ask for help. And then we get that moment in the Klingon ship where they sort of bond. And then there's more moments like this, but the ones that stick out are, then she actively is asking for help from someone who she trusts and loves, who abandons her, and she's rescued by the people that she was planning to abandon, and she's the last one aboard the ship instead of the last one off the ship. So there was a nice mirroring to the halves of this episode that I, I totally vibe with.
2: Yeah, that's a really cool observation. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're totally right, and that, that seems like a kind of narrative tool that you'd use in this show. That works. Yeah. But yeah, so they managed to take off. Um and then we see that Dreadnought and the Diviner are left behind uh the Diviner, furious naturally. So well, yeah,
1: he was he was so close to his prize, but I don't know what happened. He went from running towards it to suddenly getting tied up in the sticker bush and the kids getting there before him. So oh uh, yeah, I'd be pissed too.
0: Yeah, no, it I mean least, it's reasonable. It was definitely a nice moment of sort of unreliable third-person narrator, where Janeway's like, "Somebody's coming," and we think it's the Diviner, but it's totally the heroes.
1: Totally yes. Cool.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. And then the next part, super awesome. So the, the next
2: scene is the escape itself. They are at warp, leaving the Hirogen system, and they are being followed by the Rev Twelve. Now, I do want to—I don't want to say criticize, but I do want to note. That the look of the warp tunnels in this scene are very reminiscent of Into Darkness, where the Vengeance was chasing the Enterprise in that one, and there's like a narrow tube, and it's like getting closer, kind of thing. Carol, it's not are typical. You can't catch us. Yeah, it's, it's not very typical. It's...
0: Honestly, they're definitely yeah. a lot more vibrant and dynamic than just you know your your, your TNG or even your DS9 warp chases. Um, you know, they used to say you have to drop out of warp to engage. 2381 2382 whatever looks yeah. like we've we've bypassed that need well, even that I, need
2: wasn't very firm because remember again in the prometheus episode the the i, I want to say it was the Kyushu or the honshu is like a ship it was a it was a nebula class ship that the three pieces of the prometheus engaged in while at warp firing phasers at it hmm. so depending yes, on distance i think yes. that they can definitely engage with phasers at warp
1: yeah you can do phasers at warp you you can't do torpedoes unless you're firing the aft torpedoes no
2: that's silly. Um,
1: no yeah you no i'm sorry you you can you can because it happened in the motion picture the Torpedos enterprise are, does yeah, that warp, warp when warp it. capable well what Tem- torpedoes tor- tor- torpedoes can drift at warp yeah, right yeah, they just right. can't
2: accelerate at warp right
1: right well and then the other thing is is that whatever happened to faster than warp no no left that or was right. one I got that scene wrong
2: one time in voyager, in voyager and yeah. it was stupid then and it's stupid now <laughs>
1: it, it, it is because you you brought up into darkness i mean the enterprise yeah. just doing all you know yeah swaying like yeah. a like a boat
2: star trek is super consistent when it comes to warp stuff i was just noting yes. the fact that this definitely takes some cues from the into Darkness. faster than look light of it. no left or right yeah, that's it what it pretty. was yeah it looked really pretty yeah. um yeah. and then we see the the Rev-12 getting closer, it's like doing grasping bits towards it. Reminds me a little bit of the whale ship that does swallow Voyager, or of the sphere that swallows Voyager in Endgame, right? Correct. So, or yeah.
0: that one non-corporeal ship that swallows Enterprise.
2: Yeah, that's true too. Yeah.
0: yeah are you talking so, about
1: the Zindi Aquatic ship? Or no, no, there's the, another which one. Ones? No,
0: there are these non corporeal life forms that like took over Trip and then started trying to take over the rest of the crew and, and Archer ended up blowing them up
2: <laughs> I think I remember that that one yeah so we end up at this moment where they're trying to like outrace the thing but they can't so they start talking about like what they can do and they could use the protostar drive and they do
0: <clears throat> baby they star <laughs> <laughs> yeah Rock Talk's baby star is oh pretty good oh my gosh it's mm-hmm. so good
1: Gaze the yeet drive,
0: <laughs> but even here, like the diviner is trying to manipulate Gwen into giving up the ship, and Gwen has to make the hard choice of like you abandoned me on that planet, and so everything you say now is suspect, and you're not really trying to comfort me, get me home. You you just want the ship, and you're gonna toss me aside as soon as you get it. So she. I'm so
1: glad that. Oh, sorry, Card, go ahead.
0: Oh, she does herself the favor of tossing herself aside and keeping the ship.
1: I love yeah. the protostar drive. That was awesome.
2: It definitely looked really sweet. I really liked it. I like the fact that Gwyn was one that got to engage it too. <clears throat> yes. I don't think she's gonna be like the permanent captain of the ship. I don't think that's quite supposed to be her role, even if she is the most mature one there. But I like the fact that she was the one who got to tell her dad F you by engaging it the first yeah. time. Yeah.
1: I just hope that we don't have that saru slash burnham awkwardness of who's who's going to command the ship who's going to be the captain yeah let's not do that because that's been done
0: first of all let's let's contrast those situations saru and, and burnham are alien captain first of his kind in starfleet to you know maybe reluctantly assume command of a ship versus someone who is human raised by Vulcans who is basically like Starfleet royalty because she's the daughter of Sarek she's the daughter of two uh of basically two planets who were founding members of the Federation mm-hmm. versus two kids who've been abused like mm-hmm. the di- the dichotomy there, it might even make more sense for Dahl and Gwyn to have the friction the heads. that they yeah. had than Burnham and, and Saru
1: I can see that, yeah.
2: I, I agree. I get that. I, I just hope that we don't, like, quickly settle into one or the other being captain. I would prefer there to be friction. I think that that is more realistic.
1: There should kind of be a co-captaincy sort of rivalry of I'm I'm older, more mature, but I'm, I don't know. I would uh, li- just, you know.
0: What I would like to see in the middle of this arc, whatever it is, because first of all, they're not Starfleet. Nobody is actually going to be the captain. What I would like to see is an understanding between the two of them that, like, whoever's in the situation gives the commands. Like, if you're in engineering and I'm on the bridge, I'll handle it. But, like, whoever knows the right answer does the thing. And they trust each other to do that. This this really, to me, this reflects kind of a what if Aang and Zuko were stuck on a ship together for three years? They have to figure it out. And obviously Gwen is kind of the Zuko here because she's the daughter of the bad guy who's trying to redeem herself. And mm-hmm. I don't think Dahl is anywhere close to any kind of Aang metaphor, but he is the seeming protagonist of these these kids. Everybody mm-hmm. else is a side character. That's fine. So these two are the mains. And Aang and Zuko were kind of the mains of Avatar The Last Airbender.
1: I kind of thought... I could be wrong. Could have been the perfect time to do it, but I had a feeling that this this arc with with Gwen, this uh, conflict of befriending these people or fulfilling her mission, and just the kind of split loyalty thing would have played out a little longer. I'm glad it did During the season, you, you think you think that was that needed to just be go ahead and wrap that up.
2: Yeah, I think so, right? Like if these kids are now well outside of the Rev 12 sensor range and they are far enough away that they can't be tracked, then hopefully that gives us some time away from the Diviner's story, right? And now we've got just the kids, right? Which is great, but there's only one way they'll build themselves as a family is if the Diviner is now seen even by Gwen as being a baddie, so.
1: Right, I, I guess what I meant was that what she did in this episode, instead of it being happening in episode five, maybe it was seven or eight or something like that just to like to let it let that split loyalty breathe just a little more mm-hmm. but you know yeah i i kind of get what you're saying that because they're ending this the season this is like the first part and then it's what 12 13 weeks before
2: it's in january i thought like january 6 or something was the january. next episode
1: yeah yeah so you're you're right it's probably it probably would have been too difficult to continue a storyline like that unless you either a wrap it up before your hiatus or b not have the hiatus because as a as a family show you you still are, are dealing with are these are these young ones these young fans going to remember right where we were if we were in that kind of spot it's a lot easier to recall that they they engaged the protostar drive and just Zip right out of there, and, and they're and they're gone. I think
2: that's the most important f- like point for this, right? Like they're going to tell these smaller contained stories to make it so it's easier for the younger audience, and I think that's fine. Yeah. In this case, th- we call this a cliffhanger, but it's really not. Like this is a good close to an episode arc, right? No, like you're right. They yes. you have escaped.
0: Right, I call it a cliffhanger because it's a mid-season finale kind of because of the way that they're airing it on Paramount Plus, but it it ties up the story that started uh, with them leaving the planet on the other side. Yep.
1: Yeah. Right. It, yeah, it's a it's an ending story arc, but you're right. It's if you're thinking cliffhanger like uh, Best of Both Worlds Part 1 or Empire Strikes Back, sure, it's not to that level of cliffhanger, but it does it does leave you with okay what's going to happen next because even though it's that's every episode it's, of every it's show, wrapped though. up yeah even though it's wrapped up here it's the where do they go how do they do it what are we going to see yeah, next
2: that's just not a cliffhanger though right like a cliffhanger Correct. should be like a thread a plot line that that must resolve in like the immediate next scene or something right so yes we get none of that
0: i have i have an observation that i want to share is yes. it about Serena
2: cells and how cool they
0: look it's a technicality it's an art technicality But there's a goof.
2: Oh, there is. The
0: the audience can see it because it's in the the camera picture that I've got captured here. But if you've got the CygnusX1.net page open to image 364, it's a full bridge scene of all of them. I don't know if you guys have found it yet.
1: Don't give it away yet. Hold on. I'm I'm hurrying. All right. You you said it's... uh...
0: Image 364.
1: It was three, six, four. Okay. Well, let me find. Here's almost Prodigy. the last
0: one because there's 372 images total. It's,
1: it's freaking ads. All right. So let me look here. Uh, come on. All right. Three, six, four. Let me scroll
0: Scroll all the way. Scroll all the way. And, and, and. I'm giving it all. She's got. Renzo, I, can't, I, I can you're only. You're scroll looking so at it. Fast. Are you seeing it?
2: I'm looking at it. I don't see what's the issue yet. You don't see. Okay. three okay.
1: I'm, I'm opening. Let me look.
0: All right. So there's a bridge. Of everybody, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to ask you a question. Okay. Where are Jank Pog's legs?
2: Uh. I can see one of
0: them. (laughs) No, you can't, because it's mirrored exactly on the other side. It's the post of the the chair. Oh,
2: maybe he's sitting in the chair. He has short, stumpy legs. Or he's sitting crisscross applesauce.
0: I mean, that's a nice in-character way to do it, but he's a little (laughs) bit taller than that. If he's sitting crisscross applesauce on the bridge, he'd be the first.
2: (laughs) that's how I sit on my bridge all the time <laughs> you have
0: you're holding out on us Renzo everybody Renzo has a Starship go flock to him if you have uh it's, earthly like, he's troubles. A, <laughs> it's
1: like he's a kid sitting in a barber chair I no, mean know, I'm please. sitting right
2: now crisscross applesauce to be honest you you, you <laughs> could be right maybe his legs really
0: are just short and stubby and sticking out and he's not like actually right they're sticking the out they're honestly enough to sit like down. that's the bottom of the chair should totally yeah. be there rock talks legs are there Rock Talk has short, stubby legs, too, even though Rock, Rock like Talk is gigantic. seven feet tall.
1: That's, that's a good
0: catch. It's just a yeah. moment where I'm like, where are those legs? And and yeah, so that was my only thought, was that the art may have missed something there. Whoops. Well,
2: besides that, though, I want to say that for the first five episodes, the art quality on this show has been impeccable, super yep. impressive. Big fan of, like, their Cars displays. Their technology looks very legit overall. A plus for me.
0: Yeah, and I totally dig the fact that this story is being told outside of Star Trek Starfleet norms. Um, when we first started it, you you mentioned that you felt like it was it was very Star Wars, like Clone Wars or or Rebels or something like that. That feeling kind of hasn't gone away, but the teamwork that has been exemplified by the protagonists in this show. <laughs>
1: Vix agrees. Kind Sam of, of defies
0: a little bit of that Star Wars kind of feel. And so I'm happy this is happening, but also it's cool that stories are happening behind the scenes of the usual Federation experience. Like, we all knew that there are stories happening behind the scenes, and all the times the Starfleet ship showed up to try and either solve something, or fix something, or observe something, or escape from something. You know, the Doctor mm-hmm. in that one episode shows up in the middle of a really discriminatory time in that planet's history and it helps to solve things. Voyager shows up in the middle of a fight between the Kazon and the Ocampa for water. Um, these backstories are being told in this episode. Not like the backstories to those things, but this is a backstory to some other Federation inter- interest. Interaction. Right.
1: There could be a whole traditional quote unquote traditional Trek story happening somewhere else where there's a Starfleet crew on a ship and their mission is to find the protostar before say the Romulans get to it or something else. There can be an entire thing happening on the Federation side, which is something we would be more used to seeing But instead of seeing that we're seeing the what's going on with where that where that mission is trying to go or or what it's doing and the fact that we're getting and i'm not saying that that's what it's going to be it's just that that's a good way to tell this story with this series is that they could be on the receiving end of what we would typically call that that main plot point or that main uh, yes. thread of the season of your your capital ship your uh you know star of the show kind of thing at least to me that's that's how I see it it's, it's kind of like with lower decks with lower decks you've got all the action happening on the bridge and everything else but then you see what is everyone else doing during that mm-hmm. that's kind of like with with these guys
2: well my my lingering concern there for these guys is going to be what happens when some component on the ship uh breaks or runs out of some kind of necessary fuel that cannot be easily replicated or replaced, right? We know that there's some of that. Like we know that warp nacelles need to be, the coils themselves need to be refit every few years. Voyager had to do it once while they were in the Delta themselves, right? That's probably not something that's been easily solved by the advances over the last couple decades. There's gotta be some other things that run out of resources or break here or there. And I'm sure that Janeway Hologram can walk them through most of it, but uh, without any Starfleet crew, it's going to be a challenge and I'm looking forward to those kinds of stories.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to have a very, like a very short range of what can we fix if something breaks down or goes wrong? Because you're right, you're the, the, no training. I don't even know how they're able to fly this thing, to be perfectly honest with you. I look at an no L-Cars display and I'm just like, what the hell, <laughs> forget about it. And the, fa- the fact that they're even able to get this thing moving and figure out where the weapons are, that's, that's an amazing skill. Now something breaks, you don't have a frame of reference as to what it is, how it was installed, how it was set up, et cetera, et cetera. So what are they going to do if something breaks or needs to be repaired? You're right, Janeway can walk you through it. I, I could I could sit here and walk you through replacing a motherboard on a computer. But the thing is is that there there's a lot of tactile Sensitive things involved with that. I could tell you to carefully remove the memory module from the motherboard, but if you've got big bare hands and you're not being uh, uh, tactile enough, you could damage something. You yeah. could break it. Even if I tell you what to watch for, you've
0: explained it perfectly, Jay. Yeah, I
1: totally yeah, get
0: it. It makes sense. Yeah, I uh, you, you walking through that gave me sort of impression of like where what's going to happen at the end of this season and i think i know where chakotay's cameo is going to be now they're finally i think they're finally going to get in broadcast range of the federation and hologram janeway is going to recommend they make a hail and they do and they hail by subspace and they get to starfleet command and there's somebody who's in charge of the protostar project
2: that could work that sounds legit barkley
0: it's It's barkley Nah, no, Barkley, you, Barkley's you been say, blackballed by Star Trek. I, yeah, you say Barkley. You say Barkley, and for our adult audience, we invite you to look up what Dwight Schultz is up to now, but I doubt he's going to be getting invited to the franchise anytime soon.
1: I must be completely out of the loop because I've heard nothing.
0: That's okay. We'll talk uh, about it later. <laughs> 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 Um, uh, yeah. Fill me so, in. <laughs> so any, um, any conversations about like arc milestones here for these characters? I've got some stuff written down. What do you guys think? Do you have anything in mind about each of the characters or do you want to go through one at a time?
2: Let's just go through one at a time real
0: quick. Right. So for Dahl, uh, I've written that like in a pinch he's learned to set his fear aside and enjoy the moment as well as doing the right thing for others. It's kind of a growth moment for him. He just wanted off the planet in the beginning. In the first episode, he wanted off. He wanted to leave. He tried to steal that roller car to get to zero gravity, and it totally didn't fit. It totally failed. Uh, And then he found another moment, and in that moment, he ended up with these people, didn't really like it, and now he's recognizing that having friends, being able to do things with their specific skill sets is important, valuable, and life-saving, and he's learning how to be a team player instead of going it alone. I think that's the
2: big pickup for him, right? Learning how to work with a team instead of trying to be completely independent. That's the big gain. It's essentially his growing up story. It's a coming-of-age tale for him, right? It's his, I can't solve everything myself, here's why I have to work with others. First it was working with Rock Talk. then it was working with Jank and Pog, then it became working with Zero, and now it's working with Gwyn and it's part of this big mishmash of the team. So it's a good growth experience for him.
0: Yeah, Jay?
1: I, I was amazed by the fact that he was able to adjust to and adapt to the whole teamwork thing because the way that I took the mining planet that they escaped from was they, they don't they don't want you interacting. There's, there's no universal translator. They were very likely to pair you up with a, a species that had language that was just nowhere close where you could even glean anything being said. So you were used to working alone and, and very autonomously. You, you weren't in an environment where you had teamwork or working as a group. So with however yeah. much time he spent there, He was used to working like that, and for him to adjust as quickly as he did to working with these people after having come from an an environment and a, a job that was the complete opposite of that, I think that that shows a lot of growth maturity as well as to how quickly he was able to do that
0: 100 that was part of the control
2: mechanism right like tarz lamora prison mining complex whatever you couldn't work with each other you couldn't form a union you couldn't work in a team because you couldn't talk right definitely intentional so yeah well
0: and look how fast they came together as a team once they could understand each other that's totally what the diviner was afraid of that they would somehow overthrow whatever it was had been established and by by making those language barriers concrete they were forced to do what they were told.
2: Ooh. Yes, who's next?
0: Gwen. Uh, having seen her father's true colors, she embraces her new circumstances, helping to save the crew and the ship. There's yeah, this... I
2: think I think her 180 on her dad is uh, necessary for the storyline to continue. I think that it was well timed. I don't think drawing it out much more would have helped anymore, and it would have been too much like Avatar anyways had they done so. So having her realize that her father's a bastard sooner makes more sense in the situation, especially given the setup that they put it for ship daughter, right? Like that is the choice, and he chose poorly. So her realization makes sense for her character and in the setting. Absolutely.
1: I, th- I, I think that the the father, I was about to say father figure, he is a father, but uh, has set the stage for that teenage rebellion kind of thing now where she, she's, that's going to be something that she will always remember. And that's something that's going to stick for a long time, um, and so so what he what he did was seriously burn that bridge, and that's that's going to play in to this relationship. And I can see what's going to happen is that she's going to have that that conflict come up. This guy is going to come back to her with the whole "I'm sorry, I was wrong," this and that, yada yada yada. He's got, he's got one chance coming his way, one. I still think that she's going to be just one more chance of, I don't wanna say forgiving, maybe understanding, but then that's it. But I definitely see a lot of teenage rebellion that's going to happen now with this person, but she's gotten a taste of standing, standing up for herself, which is going to help her have have more agency agency when confronted by this this father and trying to manipulate her very yeah, no, that say? All makes
2: sense that that's very well said that all makes good sense i just really enjoyed seeing her like realization come as a result of actions not from like convincing from the hologram or convincing from the kids nothing it's you saw what your dad did right, right? yes so actions speak louder than words and uh, his actions there were monstrous and
0: it totally if we talk about how that reflects of her um, her abuse we said it before when she got herself thrown off the ship when she abandoned the ship she, she broke her leg due to her own actions and the abandonment that resulted was due to her own actions and so these actions have been playing through she's been trained very well to understand the consequences of her own actions so now she's just flipped it on the person who taught her to do that he made an action and these are the consequences you don't get to have that kind of respect or or loyalty in your life when you just turn your back on the person that you said i need you so much you don't get that revoked yeah The next person is Jenkin Pog. Still a complete mystery aside from the fact that he kind of remembers being on a kid ship before ending up working in the mines. We don't get a lot of arc from him here. Anybody?
2: Mm,
1: I I, I don't. For the very reason you said we don't have a lot of arc on him yet, I don't know what to take of him.
2: He's also a character that grew some though, like we knew from the very first episode he was just the engineer, he didn't care about people, he didn't care about escaping the mine, it was all a waste of time, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, et cetera. like he was definitely on the negative, like, kind of cynical side of things, um, and he takes even this mission on the Terra planet uh, the same way, he took the, the space the suit, suit down yeah. with them, everything, so, I don't know, I feel like maybe the only kind of growth we're seeing from him is that he actually seemed excited for the idea of the Federation that, hey, maybe out there there is a place that actually values freedom. Freedom sounds nice, uh, instead of everything just being cynical and dark, which is where he started.
0: Yeah. On to Rock Talk. Uh, I wrote that she's admitted what her specific self-consciousness is, that people rebuke her for her appearance, and that she'll be figuring out how to accept herself on her own turns, and then she'll literally be unstoppable as if she's not already she'll be a cuddly rock monster cuddly rock monster give me more of those I want to make like a plushy rock talk
2: oh they're definitely going to be made check Etsy
0: cover it in alligator scales
2: I want one of those but like with a Starfleet uniform on I think it'd look great on her
0: what era Starfleet uniform
2: whatever this era is whatever Janeway's wearing
0: oh Janeway's wearing the Voyager era Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay but have it be intentionally patchworked because it doesn't fit her so well
2: yeah, like it, or it was very custom tailored kind of thing. <laughs> like, there's a crystal sticking out here or there, just because so they yes. couldn't quite make the shape.
0: Yes, Jay, any thoughts on Rock Talk?
1: What I see from from her is kind of very much that indication of an overweight child that has image issues and um positivity issues and um oh, what's the other word i'm looking for it basically is, is is having trouble with that not so much the, the self-image but being viewed as i i don't know just the no one wants to be the big kid in school and if you're a girl it's even worse and that's what i see from, from her is she's starting to build that confidence She's around people that see her for her and not laughing and pointing fingers, which is what's really going to help because when, when you have that, when you're, when you're going through that, I was the biggest kid in school, for like the entirety of school, every grade. And I can tell you that's a very, you kind of feel a little self-conscious about that. You know, you're easily ahead or more, taller than all the other kids, you stick out, And I remember there were a lot of times I just thought it would be nice just maybe be normal, not stick out, not not be this giant walking amongst amongst the other kids. And I think that I can see some similarities there where there's just this uncomfortableness of the the size, the height and everything else not really fitting in. And that's kind of where she gets that too so i i can see some some similarities in in that there um i think that where i where i see her arc going that has been happening already is that she's going to be able to come out of her shell and trust these other people that she's with
0: i like that. and be more
1: confident with herself
0: Thank you for sharing that, Jay. That's really mm-hmm. introspective into an area of life that uh, not a lot of people get a keen insight into. That's really good. Yeah. I thank you. Thank you. I wanted to say also that Rock Talk seems to me like the original designs they had for Tough. Yeah. Giant. Except. Giant. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be like a giant dude who turned into a little girl, and now it's a giant girl who is very... Young, obviously, in years, but still, um, you know, the muscle of the group. Right. <laughs> Definitely I, the muscle. I kind of like that a lot. Um, Murph, not a whole lot for Murph this episode, except for a couple squeaks, but he was absolutely afraid of Gwen uh, in the beginning of that episode. He knew what she tried to do, and he took refuge in Rock Talk's arms. Zero... Still quite a bit of a mystery, but we learn that even she can be duped by telepathic planet Kudzu.
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely Zero is a complex character, um, and they are one of the most interesting things about it, too. It's the first time, I think, in any Star Trek that we've had a main character who is telepathic, and it is clear that Zero does not respect privacy or boundaries, right? Like, you're lying again, Nope, that's not why you did that. Like, there's none of that like right. zoid respect for privacy here, right? So, I think that's an interesting spin on things, and that's something that I hope we get more of in this season.
0: Now, for the audience who's sitting there, scrumming in your seats, maybe possibly going, "What about Deanna Troy? What about Spock? What about Tuvok?" I was thinking um,
1: the precise thing, but then I know
0: we're, we're 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 going from the angle that like Tuvok was a touch telepath, Spock yes. also touch telepath, unless you count V'ger. Um, and Deanna Troy on multiple occasions was uh, defined as empathic only, could your yes. feelings, despite a couple of early missteps where she sort of makes Riker think thoughts that she thinks, you know, and stuff like Sending that. Sending messages, kind of thing. A few moments yes. of telepathy, including Star Trek Nemesis, but she was not a full telepath and even if she was, she demonstrated on countless occasions, most involving her mother, the impropriety of reaching into somebody else's thoughts without consent, to which Zero here very much is like, nope, I can tell. And so yeah. uh, that, that's what we mean when we say full telepath on this show.
1: Well, well, and you made a very good point, is that it's the first season, you don't have your characters fleshed out White, you, you grow into it. You figure out. Okay, so this character Spock should not be smiling at leaves that make noise. He, he's suddenly going to be this cold, emotionless character. Um, and with the with the telepathic thing, like you just said, the the, the characters they grow into it. it it's tough to really go by that that first few episodes or first season because you you don't really like you know yeah they were you kind gotta, of figuring you gotta it work out. into it yeah you're figuring
0: it out they were flying by the seat of their pants trying to develop beta zoids and Vulcans and all these other things but with zero like her character card was she's a telepath this was a part of her from the very beginning this right core character custom that's gonna follow through, and maybe one of her arcs will be learning when it's appropriate and when it's not appropriate to use these abilities.
2: So to borrow this from another franchise, in Babylon 5, right, human telepaths have to go through extensive training via an organization called the Psy Corps that trains them, never read anybody's mind or there are p- criminal penalties for you, right? Yeah. Unless you get consent, it's a crime, right? And will hunt you down, kind of thing. Um, yeah, and best the will people- come after you. The only people who ignore that are psychops like Bester, played by uh, Walter Koenig, who does a great job in the role. But, uh, yeah, so I think that there might be some sort of framework like that that might get, get discussed, like hey, Zero, it's not cool to read my thoughts without asking, dude, kind of thing. And, uh, I don't know, either way, e- even if they don't have that, we just have like a character that always knows when somebody's lying, I think that that's an interesting twist that we just haven't had in Trek before.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, Hollow Janeway. I uh, I wrote that she shows the guts of the original Janeway in finding creative ways around her limitations. Uh, and I hope that someone has the brain to figure out how to expand her program's access. The problem with that kind of thinking, of course, then makes Janeway the uber hologram who could do everything, and that probably won't happen for a while.
2: Yeah, that'd be kind of dangerous anyways, right? We don't want to computer going sentient and taking over the ship and murdering the crew or anything. We've seen a lot of that in Trek recently. There's been enough of that.
0: Do you think a hologram based on Janeway would really murder the crew?
2: Hey, Tuvix, you want to answer this question?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being a part of the on Trek
2: Podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You walked head first into this. (laughs) You couldn't
2: stop yourself.
0: Oh, man. (laughs) oh man i mean it's made all the more better that you just have a dog too big like we've waited 11 months to make this joke and we finally made it work holy what, crap. what are
1: all what are all the things that happen in the universe to culminate to this sequence of events <laughs> happening <laughs>
2: And we really should we, should. we have to leave that for and, sure. That'll be oh great. Oh god, yes, yeah, yeah, that's how you like, end the episode. <laughs>
0: everything just went right for that. Okay, so let's talk about the diviner then. The diviner uh, is is faced with losing Gwyn, and of course he's pissed off about it. But he also showed a brief fl- brief flicker of compassion when trying to decide between the ship and Gwyn. He ultimately chose the ship, but is the is the diviner yet yeah, just yes or no brief before we go into it D- yes or no jay is the diviner irredeemable no renzo i go with yes the redeemer is irredeemable okay. the diviner is irredeemable the yes. diviner okay jay why is he not irredeemable
1: the reason i say that is for the very thing you said that there was There was hesitation and genuine uh, look like, uh, I I don't want to say angst, but compassion. It was not an easy decision for him. You could tell even when he made that final decision for the ship, he he still it's like he kind of squeezed his eyes a little bit. He did. He hated that decision he made. It wasn't just a snap decision. He regrets it. He regretted it when it happened. That right there, those those actions is what gives me that feeling of um, is he irredeemable? No, because he went into it conflicted. It wasn't just like oh yeah, ship easy. It wasn't like that. That's why I gave my answer the way I did.
0: I appreciate the answer, and I I want to reflect on that before I ask Renzo the same question. Like for for the target audience of this show, the what the 7 to 13 crowd sure um, even though it's a family show there are children watching the show and these children are seeing this reflection and are, are I'm wondering if if they're hoping that their parent would have made a different decision and I'm wondering that the parents who are watching with them are as adamant as you are about I would do anything for my kid I don't need a freaking starship
2: Right, right.
1: Exactly.
2: So my argument is actually a bit grander. With regards to Gwyn uh, and being a father, maybe he's redeemable. But as a character, whether he can be considered good in any way, I think he's irredeemable because of his slavery of children at the Tarzomora prison camp. And I think that we should approach him the same way that Uncle Iru approaches Azula. She's crazy and she needs to go down. (laughs) He's crazy and he needs to go down. And this is coming from Uncle Iroh. So, yeah, I, I don't think that as a character, like in the grander sense, he's redeemable at all. Uh, maybe he'll make some sort of like peace with his foibles as being a bad father, but that doesn't save him as being a bad person.
1: And that that's a very good point. I didn't think of it that way. When Dag asked the question, I immediately went to his redemption as it has to do with Gwen. Yeah, Dad, I wasn't even right. thinking about, you're right, but I, I just, I wasn't thinking about the, the wider grander thing because you're right is he irredeemable there sure but when it comes to just that uh, family conflict between father and daughter that's and that that's what guided my answer there was because of that conflict he he showed he looked back at the ship at her back to the ship at her you could you could just see the anguish yeah. inside of him
0: I can absolutely. Um where else I, did we see that anguish of the
1: l- looking at your child and back to something else right. and your child again? And- right.
0: I wanna I wanna tell Renzo I really appreciate you expanding our minds into that realm of understanding like more cohesively, much like Janeway expanded Tuvics into two different people.
2: <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> but, uh, oh I'm gonna be laughing. No, about um, this I, but no, like honestly, we should look at we should look at Uh, the Diviner a lot of the same way you look at Ozai, right? He's a megalomaniacal villain character. We spend a lot of time seeing him, but we don't understand why he's doing anything. We know that he's powerful, we know that he's smart, but we don't know why he's in... Yeah, we know he's a terrible father, but we don't know why for most of these things, right? And in the end, there's no redeeming Ozai, and I don't think there should be any redeeming of the Diviner, especially if he's still got the location Kid mining ore on the asteroid. So, yeah, yeah, I...
0: The next plot point is okay we know that he's this horrible person and he wanted the protostar the next plot point is what did he want it for
1: that's the i don't what think what was he we, gonna do
0: with one ship that had a protostar engine
1: and what would what would it be that would make him want the ship yes in that final decision but was still conflicted about it there there it to me it seemed like there was not something there that was so obvious that the decision to pick his daughter of the ship w- was easy well to me it seems like he could have he could have gone either way on it so whatever the value is here is is something we could be completely missing I don't think he's what I don't see here is a Thanos going after the Infinity Stones kind of thing
2: I don't know Thanos is sacrificing his he, kid.
1: He, right right yeah he sacrificed his his kid felt horrible about it but there was not the kind of you knew there was going to be no hesitation there there was
2: hesitation he cried and everything made it seem like the whole thing was a difficult choice for him but he had to do it same thing here well he seemed emotional about it and he did it anyway hold on though a
1: difficult choice is different from hesitating and not making that choice He, he was always going to make that that choice and then that's why it upset him
0: here's where the the audience experience differs between thanos and the diviner we knew what thanos objective was the whole time we don't know what the diviner's objective is and when we find out what the diviner's objective is for this ship where whether he needs a protostar to power something big which is my leading suspicion is he wants to steal this protostar power source uh to do something um we're going to look back on this moment where he's trying to decide whether he wants the protostar or Gwen, And we're going to think about it differently because we're going to know what his motivations are about that time.
2: So here's my theory for this, right? The protostar, he wants it for the drive. We know that the big deal about this drive is that it's fast, right? We know that when they were talking about getting to Federation space, Janeway does not make it sound like a 70 year trip. She makes it sound like it's a hop, skip and to jump with it, right? Sure. So they can get there pretty quick. So it must be some fast system. Cool. We know that the Vaonicot are down to two. And uh, in the previous episode of the Diviner even talks about Gwyn as being like the, the, the necessary part of, of their species, right? She is the thing that rebuilds their species. Maybe this whole thing is a revenge plot for him. Maybe he blames not the Federation, but maybe a Federation member race for being responsible for wiping out his people. And he thinks, and he's at that torn point where it's like rebuild or revenge, rebuild or revenge. Gwyn being Rebuild and Revenge being the Protostar. That's my theory for what's going on, but I don't actually know.
1: You, you know what I just thought of when you were saying that, uh, Renzo? Yes, the ship has a drive system that makes it go very fast, but I'm thinking it's not the speed of a ship he's going after, but it's the power that it uses. That there is something that he's needing to power that needs some unbelievably powerful soy soy, source and when you say that and you remind us that they're the only two left my my prediction is and this is just my thought that the reason he had the kind of conflict like he did but had to make that choice is because he's got something that's going to be able to repopulate his species some kind of maybe cloning some sort of facility something that takes a large amount of power and that's why we're going to see that the reason his choice was so conflicted is because lo and behold it was for something that was was ultimately the good of the many outweighs the good of the few or the one and that one is your own child but you're picking repopulating your entire species or letting it go ahead and just go extinct when you pass up on this power source. And
0: yeah. he needs it, it's them both kind of though. like I think he needs right, them
1: both. He he needs them both, but it's it's kind of it's kind of like Man of Steel, Jorel taking the codex of, of Krypton, putting it in, Calel shipping them off. uh is because you, you want to continue that species and perhaps the only way he can do that continuation is he absolutely has to have the power source. If I don't have this, then we're extinct. There's only, there's only two of us as it is right now and if i don't take this power source we're we're gone
2: well whatever uh, repopulation thing is going to happen it's almost certainly not going to be incestuous right like i don't think they're going to put that into a family show to be honest whoa. so no, there's no, got to no, be not, something there whoa. But, I, i'm talking about yeah, like cloning okay. not, not, right. No, not even not, cloning doesn't cause doesn't bring a genetic variability well, right like a clone is a clone is a clone you can't make two clones mate maybe there's, there's something a whole different he's thing got.
0: about about the diviner that Again, we don't know his motivations. We don't know why he wants the Protostar, whether he wants the ship, the engine, or just the Protostar energy source itself.
2: Or maybe he wants the Janeway hologram for the knowledge that she has. We really don't know anything. Maybe,
0: but we also don't know why he's injured to heck. Like, he needs a support suit. And so his motivations are drawn from trauma. They're drawn from, like, a deep-seated need for this resurgence of the population that he's from he might even be pissed off at janeway because without janeway the borg wouldn't would have had a different path through the delta quadrant maybe they decimated his whole world and this is the only way he knows to bring it back and the proto star has this really cool proto matter matrix if anybody's following me, when I say proto matter,
2: yep. yeah, proto star, proto matter, sure, yeah, Genesis, got it,
0: exactly, oh, Gen- yeah, right. Use proto matter so in maybe, the Genesis Matrix. Maybe he just wants to create a new homeworld for Gwen.
2: What is a homeworld for one person? The last of their kind. Get them though. That's that's real why real estate I think
0: is super cheap when you don't have to go through a bank.
2: Real <laughs> estate is super cheap when you have warp Dragon and just go to another planet. Uh, good point yeah okay so maybe right, not. so do we have any like last thoughts for this we are um how long have we talked about a 24-minute cartoon
0: it's only been one minute 36 one hour 36 minutes and 34 seconds
1: Jesus okay fine. I, I did have another thing I wanted to talk about but we've already I
0: I think for the audience three times as
1: long talking about it than um, the actual length of the episode yeah
0: for the audience um <laughs> Star Trek Prodigy is going on hiatus Star Trek Discovery is now playing on Paramount+. Plus. You can catch all of those episodes there every Thursday. Um, And then after Discovery concludes for Season 4, the remaining half of the season, or the remaining, like, three-quarters of the season, because there's a 20-episode season, we're going to get 15 solid weeks of Prodigy probably around February. So bear with us. Enjoy this time. And if you're listening to this right now, Have a happy Thanksgiving.
1: Oh, yes. Get ready for some turkey. Yay, calories.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And thank you, as always, for going boldly with Beyond Trek Podcast. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to our Patreon and Anchor supporters. Big thanks to Stephanie Baker, S. Tam, Anne-Marie, Jim Cook, and Nora Higson, We really appreciate your support. Thanks for being a part of Beyond Trek Podcast. We are Beyond Trek Podcast. Lower your inhibitions and surrender your years. We will add inspirational and hilarious Trek content to your day. Your attention will adapt to subscribe to us. Resistance is futile.